Everybody, this is Perch, and uh, I'm here with Joe Corral. We're both excited, right, Joe? We're very excited. Yeah, because yeah. the, the Hellfire Gala is mere weeks away. Just just a, a few weeks away. There was another announcement, I, I think, uh, There today. was. Yeah. yeah, there absolutely was. We, we have word that, well, I mean, I, I am a bit disappointed. I have not gotten my invite to the gala. Have you gotten yours? Uh, no, but I, I'm pretty sure I probably know people. Well, like since I looked at um, the the rollout of the kind of celebrities that are going to this, I think mm -hmm. I probably know uh, some people who are going to be there. Fun fact: yeah. I've seen Ira Glass do stand up comedy, and I, I, Ira Glass is a pretty decent guy from everything I've heard. Yeah, which does make you wonder why he's uh, he's allowing his uh, image to be in this horrible event. Yeah. Um, yeah, I believe he had a Twitter feud at one point with Mara Wilson. But, okay, sure. But um, I hate that I am aware of that. It's a ridiculous <laughs> thing to know off the cuff. But did you uh, do you find this this celebrity announcement? Um, do you find it, it, it peculiar? Like like this is a, a kind of a strange new thing for them to do, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's very peculiar. Uh, I, I wish it was more, I, I wish I could say this wasn't, this was like the first time Eminem was in a, mm, a yes. Marvel comic, but, but no, um, I, I have also heard, um, you, you know, Eminem's a, apparently a, a comics guy. Yeah. Uh, he once uh, tried to get a very prominent comic shop to, uh, close its, its doors like during business hours, uh, so he could browse. Okay. And uh, they said uh, no. Good. Well, good on Midtown. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, whoever it is. But, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah, these, these are the kind of things where you're just like, who's, what? Yeah. Like, you, you just. <laughs> we wasted a bit. I, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about this. I'm like, damn it! Why didn't I get Joe on here? I could have read the press release. It, it just um, yeah. there were a lot of good, good, solid moments in there for us. Unfortunately, there will probably be another rollout like this in a month or two, and we'll be able to do that bit again anyway. Well, we we don't have the full list of the celebrities, so you know there's. This is, you know, that's fair. That, <laughs> that is <laughs> that's fair. But you know what you do? You lead with Eminem, Conan O'Brien. And Ira Glass. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I want everyone. To I, like, well, I think I like most of those people, but still, that's weird. No, here, here's the thing. I want people to understand. DC Comics has always been seen as more of the, like, old fuddy-duddy, that's your dad's superheroes, the hip, cool, yeah. off-the-chain characters are over at Marvel Comics, yo. That's how they went about it. And now you look at this and you're like, so the, DC's doing gangbusters with Batman Fortnite. And Marvel's like, don't worry, kids. We got Ira Glass and Conan O'Brien. Like, I, what? <laughs> Pete Alonzo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, it's. <laughs> But it's so I'm, I'm curious. So as a, as a writer, you, you, what would be your? I mean, the thing I'm kind of I can't imagine anybody being super excited. But like I, I'm trying to picture like Teeny Howard, like well, it's a normal day at the office. 
And then I learned Conan O'Brien was going to be appearing in Excalibur and I was going to write that panel. And it was the best day of my life. I, I, here, here's the thing, and this is this is purely speculative. Yes, all yes. This 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 what I'm going to say right now is speculative, but I I'd be shocked if it wasn't true. I imagine these are just notes that are being sent to artists to put them in, and everyone's going to be equally surprised on on the writing and other sides of this when those characters pop up. So the writer, so yeah, okay. So basically, yeah, and, and I, I can buy this. So the idea would be the writers are writing their story. And then they're, you know, in their story is a crowd of people wandering into this gala because that's going to be fun to read 12 times. Um, and then there's just going to be, oh, look, in the crowd there, there's uh, there's Alex Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, it'll be something like that. And um because I could see that. I could also see, you know, someone just uh, reaching out like, all right, Ira Glass, we'll, we'll give you a line and we're just going to send it directly to the letterer. Yeah. Like, um, or, or something like that. Or they'll just come up with something uh, on the okay. spot of, you know, so, some corny joke or, or something that references the thing they're famous for. Yeah. You know, like, so with Ira Glass, they might reference, you know, This American Life. And with Eminem, it'll reference uh, homophobic lyrics. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, cool. Um, that sounds exciting. Uh, so It's very. I, I, uh, so I'm, I'm noticing the reaction online is pretty tepid. Um, yeah. like nobody's like, fuck yes. This is now, I was kind of on the fence about this whole gala, but now, you know, you, you, you brought in uh, Megan Rapinoe, so I'm there. Yeah, no, it's a pretty tepid response. It seems like, you know, the studio audience for a Conan O'Brien show. So it's finished. There you, there you go. You know, but um, yeah, it's again, it's just like, and I, 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 I like a lot of the, these people involved. Um, I, why else would I have seen Ira Glass do stand up? But, sure. it, you know, it's just like. See, <laughs> the, the, the fan. So, we, okay. I'm trying to picture the, the the fan reaction to that, and then I think you and I have talked a lot about that, about the X Men over the years, and I think we're about to find out. We've never really had the direct conversation. I think that our view of kind of the eras of X Men line up a little bit. But why don't we let, let's let's look back for a sure. moment at where we came? So we had the X Men launch. Stanley, uh, Jack Kirby, yeah, it, Stanley, Jack Kirby in 1963. Yeah. Um, they both were on it for just about the shortest amounts of stints they've ever done for yes. any of the comic books they created. Uh, I think the only book Jack was on for a shorter period of time was Avengers. Yeah. I, I think Don Heck took over by like issue nine. Yes. And, um, but Jack checked out by like issue 11. I think it was just doing layouts. And then by like 17, he was off. X-Men, just completely yeah. off it. And Stan was gone by like issue 19. Like, yeah, that yeah was, before it hit 20. And yeah. it wasn't the most popular book. It was okay, but it wasn't yeah. like a huge book for Marvel. Um, no, it was uh it was just they were pumping out IP, they were riding that high. This was uh you know, if, if we're talking about this in a way that people you know might might understand that, you know, this is like, 
okay, like yeah, you just launched New Mutants, and now we're all the way up to you know, like a cable solo book or whatever. You know, it's like that kind of thing where it's like, okay, we've we've really stretched out what we're doing here with these right. books. Um it's it, yeah, that was it, Jack, you know, everyone knows he originally wanted to call it the mutants, blah, blah, blah. The um they they were trying to go for like a, a mix of different things. It, it was uh it it didn't actually have a lot of the kind of depth to it that people act like it did. People no. have since gone back and added all of this lore to it based on what's happened since. But this was one of the um, l- least creative, least visually interesting books that Jack and Stan did. Uh, yeah, I, neither one of them had a huge fondness for it. And it... No. it it was one of these titles that it was kind of plodding along. A lot of those early issues um, were not not the best, and then it it just reprinted itself for a while. Yeah, and uh, you know, I stand by this. Uh, I I much prefer the Silver Age Doom Patrol run. Yeah, uh, okay. I can read that from beginning to end. Uh, I can binge that. That I really like. It, it is very difficult to do with Silver Age X Men. It, it's a difficult read. It is. Uh, and yeah, like it, yeah, it sucks. Um, Arnold Drake has even, uh, over the years, uh, you know, uh, Doom Patrol came out, uh, slightly before, uh, X-Men and, oh, and he eventually wrote some of the Silver Age stuff, but he became convinced over time, uh, you know, closer to, to his passing that Stan just stole the idea from him outright. Yeah. And, but it and, to it, yeah, yeah. Over the years, yeah. it's it's like you said. I think a lot of people put meaning to those early issues, but the the that initial run was not the uh, a lot, not the most exciting. Not a lot of things going on. It's an interesting IP that later others would do exciting things with, but it really wasn't the biggest deal. And then the, the fan support, the customer support, was pretty minor. But then along comes Giant Size. Yeah, which um, Giant Size, you, you got your your Len Weems and your. Dave Cockrum's, and mm-hmm. uh, again, this was another thing. Len had very little interest in this book. Yeah, that is why Chris Claremont took the book over because uh, Len left it very quickly. Um, he, it, he stayed on what uh, was he on ninety four? Was that Claremont's first? I, I'm it trying was, to think. I, I don't. I, I should bring it up, but we don't. But it wasn't. It wasn't long. Like you said, it was just a barely on the title. Um, a lot of people kind of believe that the giant size X-Men was the start of Claremont. That's not actually correct. Yeah. Oh, uh, Claremont and Len like co-wrote it. And, and then like through a, a couple in, in the beginning, yeah. he didn't really pass it off to Claremont. Uh, yeah. Claremont, it took a, a little bit for him to get it all by himself. And those initial issues after Giant Size, well, it was exciting that they introduced some of these new characters. It was still, it took about a year or two before it really clicked. Yeah, but by 97, uh, Claremont had it uh, to himself. Yeah. But but yeah, Len quickly wanted off this book. Uh, Cockrum uh, came here uh, mostly because uh, he was mad at DC because he was doing Leisure Superheroes at the time and yeah. took a bunch of his... DC ideas, you know, again, so a, a lot of the stuff you really love about X-Men was stolen directly from DC. <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler, Storm, a Colossus is just Feralad, like, 
Yeah. There's there's a lot of these characters are, are simply straight up stolen from from that, and, and we'd see that also with the Shi'ar Empire as just the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, but but yeah, Dave Cockrum comes over because he had done an issue that was uh, supposed to be a wedding issue, and he did this big splash page. Um, what was it? And they like he he wanted to keep the I think it was the Bouncing Boy do a damsel wedding. Yeah, and I think it was like Superboy two hundred or around then. And uh, he wanted to keep the uh, the double page spread where he had all the wedding guests and stuff like that, you know. Uh, and they wouldn't let him keep it, so he was like, "All right, screw it, I'm I'm going there." He had built this uh, pretty big uh, following. He was uh, people also forget Dave Cockrum was at the time the most popular Legion artist they ever had on that book, which was an already popular book. Yes. He, he was, yeah, he was a, he was a pretty epic writer or sorry, writer artist. Yeah. Um, you're right. He had big fans. He was one of the, the, the stronger, more prolific right, uh, artists. I don't know. He keep saying writer. I, this X-Men news has got me all turned around because it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if Starfinger busted up your wedding, you'd be pretty upset too. That, that's true. Yes. Yeah. But so, so Cockrum comes over the the uh, popularity starts to grow, and then I think that you get the Proteus arc, and then that kind of leads in ultimately to the uh, the Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah, and and all the way along there, I, I think some people, especially if you got in through the cartoon and then you went back and read the comics, I, I think some people think that the Savage Lands is, is like unique to X Men. Yeah, and, and, and like Kazar and some of these characters, like no, they were well before. Well before uh, the X Men, yeah. any of that, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, and yeah, once once uh, Burn was on there, uh, and, and once you got to Proteus, I like you're saying that's, that's when it really clicked. There there were interesting and, and good stuff before that, but uh, for me, you know, you had Arcade, which again, not an X Men character originally. That was not his first appearance, but I think again, a lot of people really. Like X Men, and, and this goes into a whole thing. We'll probably talk about it more as we continue. Mm -hmm. But uh, about X Men fans, especially in the past like fifteen years, it's a very narrow lens and looking through things only through X Men and ignoring the greater Marvel and the greater comic world, which is to their detriment. Yeah, and and this is a continual story, I think, yeah. that we mm -hmm. see through the different kind of eras. So we have this kind of initial this uh, uh, sixty three through seventy. Uh, finally, I actually brought up some help here, and that was, uh, I would say, tepid kind of fan response. But people, some people liked it, but it was not anywhere close to then the 1975 through what would be the 1990 Claremont yeah. era. And the Claremont era is divided up into a couple pieces. For me, I mean, I, I like the Proteus arc. I like what they do with Arcade and the, the Circus and, and then mm -hmm. the Dark Phoenix saga and everything else. But for me, when Cyclops left the team, mm -hmm. kind of right at the conclusion of that Dark Phoenix saga, Yep. I, I think, in my mind at least, I've got about 100 plus issues of pretty amazing comic. That, to me, that's my favorite sequence there. It's, uh, yeah. you know, you got a lot of really good artists. You had some good stuff. You had some clunky stuff. You have Storm turning into a vampire because sure. Sure. Uh, Dracula, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Everything really straight through Fall of the Mutants. So, really straight through, like, for Uncanny, like, issue, like, well into the 220s. Yeah, you know, it's all really solid. Like, um, really, I, I think what we're 
we're uh, hinting at here is really right until Bob Harris took the editorial reins. Yes. It was a pretty great time. But but to go back a little bit uh, there, I mean, you know, you not only got, um, you know, God Loves, Man Kills, you get the Barry Windsor Smith uh, life death uh, issues that mm-hmm. would pop up uh, here and there uh, that Claremont uh, has uh, told me, at least at signings, that um, he... He wish he got to do more with Barry. Uh, he really liked, um, you, you know, working with him. Um, you get uh, some really good. Uh, this is some of the best John Romita Jr. has ever been. Agreed. In, in this time period, um, Mark Silvestri comes on around here toward the end. Yeah, he comes on around there, and this whole time, you have. Luis Simonson and Annie Nocenti as the uh, editors, you know, Luis, and then it moves on to Annie. And something that's interesting is you will sometimes get people pointing out uh, some weird, you know, either, you know, panels out of context or or things that it's like sexism and Mm -hmm. uh, ignoring the fact that, um, you know, this was a women-led editorial team. Uh, mm-hmm. doing this at the time. Uh, another thing, too, that Jim Salakrup had hinted at was uh, a part of why Byrne probably left the book was Roger Stern and him were so close that whenever Byrne and Claremont had a disagreement, Stern would side with Byrne. Yeah, and then Jim was more of a neutral arbiter as well as uh, Luis, and, and once Wheezy was was there permanently, it sounds like her as a neutral arbiter because Byrne didn't last that much longer. No, no, he he quickly then headed to Fantastic Four and kind of the cap yeah. or just other things that he did. But the book uh, managed, like you mentioned, I mean, we had Paul Smith in there, we had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is, you know, Art Adams comes into the picture uh, around here to do long shots and then annuals and things. Alan Davis is doing occasional comics. Yeah, you, you have the, the start of uh, X-Factor and New Mutants or, hmm. uh, you know, well, New Mutants first, obviously. And then you have, uh, you know, X-Factor. You have uh, some really interesting miniseries. Um, you, you know, uh, a lot of people might argue that that Magic miniseries is... Uh, <laughs> Is, is good. Um, no, but you, you're right. You did have, uh, you had the Wolverine Kitty Pride bit. You had, you had a number of, of series and miniseries. You have, of course, on x Five. you have Walt Simonson over there. You've got mm-hmm. uh, some doing some work. Um, Blard and a couple others um, on New Mutants. You have, anyway, you've got a pretty good roster and I think you get a good solid, um, I don't know, about 12 years or so or more, uh, probably about yeah. 15 years of really good comics. Sure. And mm-hmm. the fan base, the customer base, um, like you said, I do think they were very X-Men exclusive. They, they, mm-hmm. they, the customers didn't branch out into too much other stuff. But they were, I, I want to say, you know, very invested in Claremont's uh, subplots and, and all that kind of stuff and fan theories and everything. But they, they weren't insane. Um, no, I, I feel like when it came to your Marvel fans at this point, it, it probably broke into like, Probably about three, maybe three ish or four ish, like categories. Um, you, you know, it seemed to be, yeah, the, the X Men fanatics who might pick up a couple of other things. Uh, there were still at that time, 
Marvel Zombies. They they were Marvel Zombies were never a majority of customers. There's right. these like weird myths that like the the stores used to be filled exclusively with Marvel Zombies yeah, and then at all it never happened. Um, but yeah, you'd, you'd have your your people who were into X Men. Then you'd have your fans who kind of were. I guess this would be the equivalent of your um, uh, the the older fans that everyone hates now mm-hmm. of the the ones who stuck mostly to like the Avengers type titles. Like right. I buy the Avengers and I get you know your, your Thor's and you know even Spider Man and, and 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 that kind of stuff. And there's too much going on in X Men, so that can yeah. That can stay over there, but you you just give me you know Avengers and Cap and Thor and Iron Man and Spider Man and I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, there was definitely that 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 kind of citing point of, of do you like subplots? Do you like of kind of dangling threads and other things? Uh, then the X Men are few, and if you can't stand that, then you tended to stay well away from it. And it was kind of that's how it split. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, the X Men fans, as I notice. Um, and I recall that they were not like horny all the time. No, despite the covers, despite, the, despite the covers. Exactly. <laughs> the, uh, the X-Men fans tended to, there wasn't a lot of shipping. I mean, you know, later, much, much later, people would want to see, uh, you know, Gambit hook up with rogue, but in general, like they would tease things with Wolverine storm. They would do various kind of little bits, but there was never like this big, kind of shipper culture. It was pretty much, you know, the X-Men, maybe people were curious if they were going to, what was going on with the sinister guy? What was apocalypse? How did he fit into this? What's Magneto going to do? Nobody was like, you know what I'd really like to see is Magneto and Xavier start making out. Like, yeah, nobody was really asking for that. No. And I mean, part of this is, I, I, I don't know what happened. It's like there was, there has always been a, a a section of comic book fans that have been uh, queer and attracted to a lot sure. of the themes in these books, uh, mostly because a lot of these books and and actually it really wasn't X Men. It was other. It would be stuff like Superman. Yeah, you know where you'd be looking at. Oh, it's this like buff guy who can't be himself around other people. And right. leads a double life that uh, he can't confide in. And every time a woman that's into him comes up to him and tries to talk to him, he has to figure out a way to get out of that because he's not actually interested in women. Like that that kind of stuff. Yep. You, you know, even in, uh, you know, like TV shows like uh, Queer as Folk, which came out in the early 2000s, the like the nerdy guy, the one who's on all those VH1 shows <laughs> yes. who was in it. He was a, the big comic book fan because they're like, oh, this is a show about gays. There's the comic book fan. But they're like uh, Captain Astro was the character's name. It was like a riff on a, you know, a Superman or Captain Marvel, uh, you know, a Shazam type. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Type character. If it came out today, it might be an X-Men type book. Sure. But that wasn't what that was back then back then you you actually you also had a lot of uh uh you know a bit, i mean there's a huge queer following for like wonder woman sure and, you know but yeah and there was this this idea of kind of mutants and marginalized communities and all that kind of stuff as part of you know but that's that seems like i was trying to quantify it i think if you it, 
it was not as overt then as it is, or rather, I think people today have kind of changed the meaning of some of that that was done before. The, the X-Men had some yeah. allegories for racism and other things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly kind of the queer community and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't this, it wasn't what it is today. It's it like the, somehow the, the, the kind of view of the comics tilted over the last. Yeah. And, and part of that too, is the, the very narrow, uh, lens that people look at this. They look specifically, you hear people today, they, a lot, you see a lot of, I mean, podcasts, uh, individuals, people like that, that they'll go back and they'll do their, I'm going to reread, you know, yep. X-Men from issue. There's a lot of that, but they don't read other, they're not reading the other comics. They're not putting it in the right. context of what other comics were coming out at the time. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't have that sort of formed view and history of it in a way to have a better grasp of, of, of some of the stuff that's that's going on here. Cause it, it, it all is like, it's just feeding into itself. It's, you know, that like snake that's like eating its own tail kind yeah, of exactly. uh, thing. It's um, I, and I think, well, there's one more bit of error to kind of talk about, but sure. it's um, one of the big dividing lines I see right now with the X-Men fandom is do you, is if you consider the X-Men and how they're behaving today, to be heroic or villainous, and it, this feels like one of those those sharp divides where uh, there there's a, a subset, or maybe a bigger than subset, uh, you know, a portion of the X Men audience that is really into kind of the comics right now. The X Men are heroes; they're doing what they need to do to protect themselves. About time they had a party, and you know, all the rest. Yeah. And then there's a kind of the the more what I would call maybe the more original group, or the group that liked it during the era we're talking about here in the '80s. Yeah. that use a lot of the things they're doing as bizarre. Like at what point did Storm and other characters try and go kidnap children to take them to the island? This seems yeah. very, very weird. Um, that that's There seems to be that's where kind of the line strikes between between fandoms is if you view their actions today as heroic or villainous. Yeah, and I mean, also there's just a misunderstanding and like, People have a hard time grappling just the idea that like this part of the problem is this wasn't an X-Men pitch. This is very, it's becomes more and more clear by the month that this was uh, Hickman's way of trying to do Legion five years later. Yeah. Um, Anyone go, go look it up. Uh, They, they also did the text pages, but in, when, you know, um, the Bourbons and, um, Mm -hmm. and um, you know Keith Giffen did it. I, I thought it was better. Yeah, uh, you know, it was more original back. Then. It was more. It was certainly more original, but it was like at the. It was. It didn't. It, it didn't often break up the middle of the issues. They were usually at the end of the issues, and sometimes yeah. they break up uh, some stuff in the middle. But they they were really interesting and informative. I yeah, <laughs> I have to think right now. But if DC wants some easy money, they they put out a a new edition of the. I uh, maybe they, do they have the five years later as an omnibus out. They have the the first volume of it, so the first half. Yeah. So up through like issue thirty nine, I, I want to say. But because of the omnibuses, it's like go get it now. 
Um, yeah. I think it's on sale on Amazon now for like under 90 bucks and it's $150 omnibus because it's gigantic because yeah. it also has the uh, it has the annuals and it has the Timberwolf miniseries in it. It's it's one of those things where DC should put that out and then they could say, you know, the uh, you know, the inspiration for the current X-Men run. I mean, just just call it. Yeah. <laughs> it would be bad. But um, OK, so before we get to kind of current again or kind of take a step back, the. Um, you know, uh, you know, Bob Harris comes in, Claremont goes out, the titles then go through the 90s. And this seems to be the other place where people came into the series, uh, maybe via the cartoon. Um, yeah. and, and so you get the people who have very fond memories of what, what I think is often called the Jim Lee era. But it was, there wasn't a lot of Jim Lee in that era. But No, uh, most people, when they talk about the Jim Lee era, are talking about after he left. Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, yeah, it's it's very weird. E- even the first Jim Lee X-Men omnibus is mostly a Mark Silvestri omnibus. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Silvestri in there. And uh, and then there's there's just other artists that come in and, and through, like, I'm surprised by the people who tag the Age of Apocalypse to Jim Lee, who had nothing to do with that event whatsoever. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, God, like, some of the last stuff, like, some of the issues that were in, I think it was, like, the Shattershot um that yeah. bit that Jim Lee laid out, but like that's it. And I, I mean, this whole era, like the cartoon, I mean, I loved it as a kid. Um, I, I still appreciate it. I hate what it did to people because it made people lunatics. Yeah. Because um, it gave people this weird infatuation with Jubilee, who was never important in the comics. Yes. Uh, it, it Same thing with like Gambit, uh, who would very briefly be important and then disappear. Yeah. Uh, sa- same thing with, um, what was it? Uh, I mean, also Rogue, that idea of Rogue being that kind of character in, in the cartoon wasn't quite the comics. Like, just a lot of weird stuff like that. And I think a lot of, of uh, and and then you, you get into this um, Joseph and Maggot and Morrow and some of these kinds of characters and Joe Mad is is drawing it, but there's a lot of weird CGI that's being applied over his art, which kind of screwed everything up. And then you get yeah. Wolverine's claws removed, and he turns into Neanderthal. I mean, that, that's a yeah that the digital coloring at, at that time, and that's not just X Men across yeah. the board was terrible. But um, I, I, the the ripping out. Uh, the adamantium skeleton was uh, Peter David made a joke at a summit. Yeah. And they just, they thought it was a great idea and they went with it. Yeah. And it, of course it was not. Uh, <laughs> no, my God. No. <laughs> but, but that's, uh, yeah. people tend to forget about that part of the nineties where a lot of stupid stuff was going on. Um, I think Wolverine, they, they retcon that out by having Wolverine, or not retcon, but they, they get Wolverine and they make him an agent of Apocalypse, and that's how they kind of get things going again with him. But Yeah, and and again, like before that, um, I mean, the, the sales were, were great before the crash. Yeah. Uh, X-Men had dominated the line so much that uh, Spider-Man was kind of like, eh, whatever. It was mostly ignored until Todd came on. Uh, but even around then, even when like Eric Larson was doing Spider-Man, right. they they would do things where it was like the number one non-mutant hero, and they would print it on the cover because that's how much the X-Men dominated everything. Yeah. It dominated things to the point where they derailed the Burbombs Legion of Superheroes five years later run eventually because 
they needed the book to be more like the X-Men because um, it, it just was destroying everything. I believe at the time uh, it was said that if you removed the X office from Marvel, the X office on its own would have been the fourth largest comics publisher in the United States. Yeah, no, it was a beast. Um, And, and definitely they were, they were, I mean, that was, and I think you could argue with the problems that, that went on with the X-Men in the, or sorry, with Marvel in the late nineties that, uh, that the X-Men was the, the surviving element in a lot of cases to what they did. Yeah. I mean, that, that wasn't really, I mean, obviously they were involved in in some way with, you know, the reborn return and all that, but they were not touched. They were not, they did not give the keys back to Jim Lee (laughs) to be like, you need to fix the X-Men. They were like, no, we're, we're good. You fixed fantastic four. Let's. You did get a revolving, right? You had, uh, you had Lobdell in there. You had, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Siegel and you had, um, Chris Claremont kept coming back for little stints before he would leave again. Yeah, but you had Fabian Nicieza. Right. Um, and according to him, n- almost none of his scripts made it. Uh, Bob Harris infamously rewrote many, many scripts of, of yeah. X-Men uh, in, in the 90s. He had an iron fist. And uh, I... I I believe Fabian Nicieza even said something along the lines of, in some interview or something like that, that he only had a handful of scripts that were not altered between, yeah. you know, finally handing it in and, and it being published. Yeah, Bob Harris is terrible. Um, yeah, and he's gone now, so yeah. hooray. Yeah. But, um <laughs> But yeah, but you had this kind of very strange, uh, you know, back and forth, and and it just just it, a very odd kind of uh, run. And then they 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 get um, they get Grant Morrison to come in for the flagship title, and then Lobdell's there, and then Casey and Chuck Austin, and and so you had that that whole period. Yeah, which is very weird. I, I feel like I need to point this out. There are very few times, if any, in the history of Marvel. That they were like, oh man, we're in the gutter here. We better get someone from DC to fix this. Yeah. Very like that, strange situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially for for a seasoned writer like that. I, I mean, they you could argue they kind of did that with Jim Shooter, but Jim was still a kid at DC, and then he worked editorial for Marvel for a little bit, went back to DC, came back. Here was someone who was like that they're over a decade into their uh cemented career in in changing comics forever already yeah and and they were like we need this dc person to come over and and save marvel you know like they yeah you try looking up too many other examples of that you just don't see it yeah has that ever yeah i'm trying to think has that ever happened anywhere before Um, not so much i mean a little bit with like neil gaiman but even then neil didn't take the keys to x-men yeah it was like, here, Neil, if you want to do a few fun things off to the side, that would be cool. But with Grant, they were very much like, this is huge. This was the equivalent of them taking John Byrne at the time. Yeah. And they were, you know, obviously the other way around. But they And they originally seemed like, oh, we're going to give Grant everything they want. And then they very quickly went, actually, no. Yeah. Yeah, his. Uh, I remember the interviews and things around Grant being being extremely. Uh, they've got a vision that 
is going to is blowing our minds and you're never going to believe it. And, and they're, they've got the keys to the kingdom. Uh, they, yeah, like they, they can, they've got complete autonomy to do whatever they want. And that seemed, at least from now looking back on that seemed to last three issues roughly. Yeah. So, okay. This, this era happens and then Chris Claremont comes back and they ultimately depower the X-Men. And then you get, uh, then you get a, a gigantic revolving door around any up and comer at Marvel who was making a bit of a name for themselves would come on the X-Men and it would just fail. Yeah. After, after Whedon's run and yeah. having house of M post house of M it's a shit show. Yeah. But um, before that, and you know, we we've done retrospectives on new X-Men and sure. uh, astonishing. So please uh, check those out. Yeah. But um, yeah, you had Claremont right before, and I think into new X-Men doing, uh, like that X Men, like uh, what was it? Uh, like there was like the Extreme X Men and Exile. Yeah, like yeah Extreme X Men. Yeah. And then you had, um, yeah, you had New X Men, which, which again, it's not as great as you might remember it. Um, <laughs> if Chuck Austin, the way that people treat Chuck Austin, you would think he came up with Dust. Yeah. But you know, you get a pass if you're Grant Morrison, because again, all of this stuff is just a popularity contest. That's yeah. all it is. Uh, but yeah, you have all this stuff going on. Then you have Joss kind of coming in and writing the ship. And I believe Joss's run sold better than Grant's run, I believe, on on average. Or, you know, uh, part, yeah. maybe maybe having a consistent creative team helped. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Joss Whedon's run sold higher. Yeah, but you're right. I think the the consistent creative team definitely helped, and it was being built. I think stronger. I said Grant's run was indicative of what Marvel would do 15 years later, where there's a lot of hype at the beginning, and then the hype turned off for Grant. He still sold good. It, it sold good issues, but the, the hype yeah. definitely sank. They did not keep uh, promoting their run. Uh, with Joss Whedon, there was promotion pretty much from start to finish. It's one of the only times Marvel yeah. has consistently come back and, and continued. Yeah, I believe, though, I saw somewhere very recently that uh, said that uh, Grant's like new X-Men was like the number one selling comic for its run. And it wasn't. Yeah. I, I believe Hush was going on at one point during it. And that outsold new x-men every time it definitely did in fact there's a video about this that you could check out in the playlist where you look at uh grant morrison's run and show the times it hit number one it did hit number one a few times but yeah. definitely not consistently and there was uh there was a handful of events including hush at dc that that outsold it and there are some things at marvel that outsold it uh, including some of the stuff that was going on in the ultimate line so it was yeah definitely not People just make up numbers. It's very yes. weird. Yeah, yeah. You, no, you see sure. it all the time. People just going like, this was a number one set. It's like, no, it, it's factually not true. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, that's why this whole thing is very strange. And, and then you mentioned it did become a, a real shit show. So we, we depowered the mutants after House of M. And you had, uh, you had I mean, a, a cast of talent. You had Brubaker. You had mm -hmm. Matt Fraction. You had Kieran Gillian. You had Jason Aaron. You had uh, pretty much everyone. Uh, Jeff Lemire had that uh, 
brief yeah. stint on uh, on it, which uh, but but all of those runs you just mentioned are garbage. No, absolutely. Uh, they're 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 not good. And then now and and you had Brian Michael Bendis come in and do a bit. Um, yeah. Basically, all of their talented people and Colin Bunn all had a shot at this. Yeah, and they all they all did. Um, there were certain events that that were ha- you you had you know your what was it Messiah Complex Messiah War Second Coming kind of stuff going mm-hmm. on. Um, a lot of the periphery books were. Yeah. more like we're more consistent like x-men legacy and x-men you know x-factor books like that uh seem to be more consistent no exactly and and you 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 basically i think the the fan base the the, the argument at the time was that disney didn't have the rights the x-men characters fox did and so it was a deprioritization within marvel to do this. And that, that, I think that explains some of it. Um, it doesn't explain why it was so shitty at that time. Yeah. <laughs> um, because again, in, you know, you're looking at some of these names, Matt Fraction was absolutely a rising star at Marvel. Mm-hmm. At the time. They thought he was huge. Brubaker was as well. Um, you had, uh, you, you, I mean, Brian Michael Bendis was the guy at yeah. Marvel and they gave him, so there was, there's plenty of, of people they attempted to, to put in there who were the biggest writers at Marvel at the time. Yeah, um, and Clint Karen Karen Gillan is another uh, who definitely was somebody Marvel thought was one of their top talents. So yeah, I I still love that uh, journey into mystery Ronnie did. I, I mm-hmm. think it's really great. Um, his Young Avengers, I, I like that. But yeah, X. There was something about the X Office where it's like you sent the most talented writers possible to give you the worst stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't understand it. Um, and, and yeah, it was constant misfire after constant misfire. Then, um, you know, you had Avengers vs. X-Men, which was another thing that had a lot of hype and then was a total mess by the end. Uh, it sold very well, but all of the sales benefit seemed to help the Avengers and almost none of it seemed to help the X-Men. Yes. It's, it's, the X-Men definitely came off the, you know, the, the losers of that event uh, based on kind of the importance of the titles and other things. But yeah. Um, it's a it's a very that, that was a, a kind of an odd dark era and i think a lot of what you saw was this constant atrophy of sales yeah. mm-hmm. that uh, from from that kind of epic 80s run and then some some hype in the 90s where some new fans joined the the run was doing very well i think what you see with the sales is in the the late 90s you had the 80s people who are still sticking into it mm-hmm. who were there for the claremont run they were still buying and you had the new 90s fan who came in from the cartoons or because they love the art. And, and so both groups combined was powerful. And that's why yeah. you saw them just devastate and dominate everything. Um, and then from, you know, basically the Grant Morrison run on, you saw atrophy. Yeah. And, and I know it's, it's the Grant Morrison's run is today considered kind of the Holy Bible. Um, I hear a lot of the current creators talking about that as the fundamental best run in the history of all the comics. Yeah, no, it's it's so it's not. It's <laughs> so sorry, sorry, people listening. It's no, yeah, and I love Grant. I I own quite a bit of Grant work. And, I, uh, no, yeah, I will happily read his Doom Patrol over and over and over again. Absolutely. So it's but it, so it's so I think you saw that the audience you kind of disappears. So then we get to Hickman comes in and he's going to bring importance back. To the X Men, and I think that's even how they they build it, much to the 
probably irritation of uh, of Matt Rosenberg and some of the people working on the book at the time. Yeah, it um, it, it's it, it was it was weird. I mean, first you had uh, anti-Semitism out the gate in X Men Gold, yeah. uh, which cost. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what cost Danny Ketchum his, his job. Yes. Uh, as an editor at X-Men, uh, then, and, and you had Colin Bunn on X-Men Blue, and then those were just kind of going for a while. You had the uh, that Iceman run, which uh, more than enough has been set on, so we don't have to yeah. uh, go into that. But uh, yeah, you had that whole resurrection. At, you, you had a, a completely botched Bendis uh, yeah. rollout, which... Um, Everyone would learn from, and we'd never have another botched Bendis rollout from there. But yeah, you, you, yeah. yeah, you had a completely botched uh, Bendis rollout with with uh, a, a fairly divisive uh, run of a lot of people who were like, "This makes absolutely no sense. Why? Who time travels and brings past versions to the present to teach someone a lesson? Yeah, like, and and then keeps the kids around for years, yeah. years." That was it. Was absolutely atrocious. It, and then it, nobody's favorite run. Yeah, no. Uh, and then it was. But he, here's the thing, and this goes to the fans that uh, you, you know. This goes to you know what what we're talking about of the the overall culture, right? At the time it was coming out, that was the best run, and you had to get on board. And that's the puzzling part. So, he, you know, compare that and then to today. And the X-Men fan base, uh, which was always passionate, has gotten more angry and passionate, I would argue, over time uh, with each successive piece. Uh, we saw that during Venice. And today, if you go in and you say, I don't like this current X-Men run, like, mm-hmm. you're a monster. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to a certain... Um... Yeah, there's there's a certain group that absolutely, and, but it's it's mostly just grown and grown and grown. And they were there with the Bendis stuff. They were like, of course, Bendis that Bendis is great. This is this is a great run. I, I yeah. remember all that stuff. These same people. This is the best the X Men's been in years. You you would hear that from from a certain segment of the fan base, and then you'd hear that again in X Men. You know, Gold X Men Blue. There, there were people. Uh, who like, oh, you know, you know, when we spun out into Mrs. and Mr. and Mrs. X and, you mm-hmm. know, all that stuff that was going on, people were like, this is the, what are you talking about? This is the best, this is the best the X-Men's been. I, I've, I've never been more excited. Um, well, I, we saw yeah. it when uh, Kelly Thompson and uh, Ed Brisson, I forget who the other person was involved mm-hmm. in it, maybe Rosenberg, they did this uh, X-Men disassembled arc mm-hmm. and they, they, they sent the kids back home, they killed old cable and brought in young cable. And it, it was that same thing again. It was like, finally, this is the X-Men we've been waiting for. This is the best it's ever been. We absolutely love it. And here is uh, X-Man has come back and we're going to do this, this age of apocalypse riff on X-Man. And there were people who, who were telling us it's never been as good as this. It's great. This is the X-Men. And, and it was maddening to listen to because it was just awful. Well, I mean, you had that. You had, um, I'm trying to think, you had uh, Greg Pak do uh, a Storm miniseries, which was right. the, this was the Storm story we were all waiting for. And you also had Sam Humphreys doing Uncanny X-Force after Rick Remender, which was the Storm story we, we've been waiting for our whole lives. And then you had Yona Harvey writing uh, Black Panther and the Crew, which featured Storm. 
uh, the first black woman to actually write Storm in the comics. And that was also uh, finally the first time, you, you know, like the, this is going to be the best uh, yeah. we're ever going to see Storm. Uh, so, yeah, like that, that's part of, of what makes uh, a lot of this maddening is the, uh, you know, goldfish memories of, of yeah. the overall, you know, uh, population <laughs> talking about this. It's- well, yeah, I, I, I mean, that, that is the, the frustrating part. It, it feels like uh, at times, like there's almost a game to see if the fan base will swallow this, which brings us to a 12-part fashion show crossover event with celebrities like we, we opened this video on. Like, I mean, on some level, it feels like it's a test to see how long people will go along with this. Yeah, I mean, there, there's the possibility, and I'm still going to hold out hope because hope's all I got. But there's there's still that chance that there is going to be something big that happens. Yeah, and that they're they are holding that information back. That you know, like I've I've joked around before, but I've said like oh, Sabretooth breaks out and is on the loose. Uh, yep. Mystique shows up with Destiny, and now it's like oh shit. No. Yeah. yeah, um, you know, or Destiny just shows up. Uh, Moira comes and, and is, you know, doing something at the, the guy. It's like, we haven't seen Moira in a while. What's going on? Like, there's, I, I would love that. I, it feels like they've got that and maybe they're holding it in reserve until they really, really need it. But I think yeah. they really need it now. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it, this, the, the, the title has started to feel, and I'm not just talking about this current run that's going on on Krakoa and all the rest. I mean, I'm going back then to the Brubaker time and all oh, yeah. the interaction time. It feels like the X-Men has been playing the long game mm-hmm. for uh, more than a decade mm-hmm. where it's going to pay off soon. We promise. This is, yeah. you're gonna, your patience will be rewarded with some really cool shit. It's, it's, it's coming. And, you know, we... we <laughs> I mean, it was somewhere around Ten of Swords where we all came to the conclusion that we weren't going to be getting any sword fights and we're going to be getting silly contests. And that's where it started to feel like uh, this long game was... uh, I I started to want to get off the train at that point. Yeah, no, I I hear you. It's it's been tough because it's one of those things where you want the a lot of these like smaller little character interactions to help the characters grow and to, you know, flesh everything out. And you need that stuff to create stakes because you need to care about the characters. Absolutely. But it's become so lopsided. Yeah. That it's like, well, okay, but now we need something to happen. And when you don't have, when the threat of death isn't there. Yeah. What what is there? And when you do these things that are very baffling and and make people ask questions, like we shouldn't be watching these things and going, why? What is going on that Reed Richards would ever show up to this? How is the world not protesting this after? Yeah, everything that's happened that's ludicrous. Yeah, it's weird to see these these panels of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four walking into Hellfire Gala, getting a little flower pinned to their you know costume lapel, um, and thinking like the X Men have been in direct conflict with the Avengers certainly multiple times, but in recent years and in the last yeah. few months, it's um, 
you know, I, I think it's worth interjecting at this point that that I own uh, the, a complete X Men run mm -hmm. that remains complete today. If you were to ask me, uh, just generally, what's the favorite comic? What's the comic? I probably I would still say X Men. This is my this is the thing I enjoy the most in terms of, of a comic and a property. Um, and I continue to want to enjoy it. I'm one of those customers, I guess, one of those people who like you, I, I just, I want to see Sabretooth show up at the, the gala having escaped. And, you know, I want to have that moment where everybody's having a good time. They're having a party and like the camera pans down through the earth or something. And we, we discover Moira there and she's got some kind of underground pod prison and the x-men are all there and they're yeah. they're in they're imprisoned and the people that we've been dealing with are fakes I, I mean you're just you're hoping for that kind of gotcha reveal but it feels like a lot of the fan base is uh, today the the really loud ones that's not what they're hoping for they're very happy with with this uh with again shipping characters i mean you can't go a day without uh hey wouldn't it be great if uh, wolverine and nightcrawler just just had some really good rough sex i it 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 feels like the the groups have diverged at some point uh here yeah i i don't i don't get it it, it seems like i think i've described it before that this feels like an mmorpg yeah and that there are people who are excited to just kind of like read this as like a slice of life kind of let's all just hang out and and mm -hmm. chill on this island and it's cool to be a part of it yeah and that works in in a game it yeah. doesn't work when it's uh you know four bucks five bucks or more a pop for 20 or so pages yeah like it's it, it it becomes weird. It's like what why why are you spending this much to to do this? And well, it, it, yeah, the elephant in the room here, and and I'm I'm absolutely not accusing everybody of this. It's not not of by course. a mile, but a lot of the the people who gush about this run uh, admit to pirating it. And if it was free, I get it. I mean, I mean, you know, I you wouldn't have those same dynamics. You wouldn't mind seeing some of this stuff go on. Again, I'm not saying by a mile that's the, everybody likes this is stealing it. Not, not at all. Of course, but we know that the sales are not great for some of these books. We've seen some of them get canceled. Um, maybe it's just naive me, but I wouldn't think that they'd be canceling books if this was the most amazing, best run, best it's ever been. They wouldn't be canceling those books. Uh, but we're seeing that happen. Yeah. No, we're... We do see that happen. We see... Uh, it's tricky, know, right? It's it, it's it's tricky. And, and yeah, this, this isn't... These, these are always complex things that involve a lot of people. Yeah. So this isn't something... Like, there's no... This isn't an issue of, you, you know, this isn't a witch hunt. This isn't like, who do we have to, you know, drive out to get what we want? Like, it's not that. These are, no, no, and, these and, are just observations. But, yeah, to give you an idea, um, in terms of uh, views for uh, Hickman's X-Men, um, if, if you're looking on, you know, like, I, I think one of the big open secrets and, and you've brought this up before is there's uh this this website uh re comic online 
Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of uh, the pirate, that's, that's become the main source of the pirating yeah. lately. Um, I've had comics I've done that are on that site. I'm that sure you, are, uh, you, you wrote this week. <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely will this week. It's just the, uh, the nature of the beast. I, I do occasionally go to check to see how many, uh, people are, are, are reading it for free. There's nothing you can do. It, it's just, uh, little information there, but it's cute because they have a, a little message board and everything. Uh, isn't that? Yeah, and nice. so you could comment uh, on the uh, comics that have <laughs> had their views, but um, literally millions of people have uh, pirated uh, just Hickman's. I'm not counting um, the other books in in yeah. this group. Millions of people, yeah, are looking at it that way. Millions, yes, and. Yeah, there's not much, I guess, people can do about it. I I feel like if there was an easy solution to this, it would have been shut down already. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I I brought up the point before that this this probably is still the comic, the the property that I love the most. Um, Again, I'm not trying to set up any kind of gatekeep of, you know, it should be my way. I, I say it for this reason. If... If the fans and the the money and the the sales and, and and this is what people want and it was doing well, even if it wasn't for me, I'd be happy. I'd still sure. be happy that it was doing well because it's this thing that I've enjoyed for decades, and I'm perfectly content to hand it off to a new fan base and they get a run with it and have a good time. It's it's evolved past me. That's okay. Sure. Um, the challenge is when it's it's kind of gone to a different fan base, but the sales are significantly lower. The piracy is up and it feels again, like where, where is it going? Um, These announcements for the gala and the amount of issues they're putting toward it and the new series that get rolled out and the kind of, you you pick up the comic and you read it and then there's, it's just characters kind of talking to each other about what it's like to be on the Island and they visit the blob and, then they go and they just kind of wander around. Uh, the villains that they have showing up in the comics right now are these kind of faceless anti-mutant people that are happening, whether it's X-Force or, yeah. or I, I mean, I just, I, 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 none of it feels like it's going anywhere. And we're on volume yeah. 12, I think, now of the trades for this run. Uh, it's something like that. I mean, it's, there's over... I mean, we're well past the 100-issue mark of, of all these books uh, combined since Hoxbox. Yeah. Um, you know, we hit that before, I think, House of X, Powers of Ten. Or not uh, not that, uh, Ten of Swords. Yeah. Uh, so so we're a good, like, at this point, probably 150 or so comics into whatever yeah. this is now. Yeah. I, and, and it's... I, again, it, 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 it's, it's hard to tell where it's going. We have more comics out now for this run than Claremont's run. Yeah. Um, most of the seeds that were set up in Hickman's Hawkpox are nowhere to be seen. So I, I just, I, I don't, it, it's frustrating, right? I, I guess I'm just yeah. being honest. I'm, I'm quite frustrated by this entire thing. Again, if you're a fan of this 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 run and you like everything that's going on, I am honestly happy for you. I really am. 
And I'm, I'm glad you're, you're finding something you like, but it's, it's frustrating to be at this place where we're hearing about Eminem guest starring in a party book. And, and like you, I, I just, I hope we, there's a red wedding moment or just some big rug pulled out from under your moment. I'm, I'm praying that's the case, but. Yeah. Cause, cause this is the kind of thing where it, it feels like this would be great as like a 48 page special. Yeah. Like a one shot. Oh, we're we're just gonna have fun. This is a victory lap. This is a celebration of everything we've done so far. Um, yeah, it, yeah. That that I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. But but all these books uh, forcing everyone to have to buy all of them to understand what's going on. That's also causing needless frustration. Because yeah. if if you if you like X Factor. You might not like Wolverine, but I'm, you have to read both to understand what's going on. As much as they tell you, you don't have to, you do. Yeah, you do. I mean, that's one of the big myths, and I, I don't begrudge Marvel for it. They're trying to sell as many books as they can. There's this idea of, like, you don't have to buy them all. That's one of the big lies in comics. You, you really kind of do. You, you, yeah. You don't have to buy them all. Like, nobody has to do anything. You don't have to buy any. Nobody's forcing you to do anything. But they do write the story in such a way that they really want you to buy them all. Yeah. And, and there have been eras of, of X-Men where you didn't have to do that. Uh, yeah. That's why I keep going back to like Peter David's X-Factor investigations. You could, for the most part, you could check out and just read that book. Yeah. Uh, there was very little uh, force sort of crossing over. And even if it did, Peter David tended to write it in a way where it was really what was only affecting that book. Yeah. But but yeah, and, and there's plenty of other examples of that too. Like if you're reading Uncanny X Force, you could just read Uncanny X Force, and you you would understand what was going on. But the they the X books over the years have become more or less interconnected. Yeah, and sometimes they allowed it to kind of be their own thing. There there are large swaths of time where you could just read Wolverine because it didn't make any sense with the other books because he was on every team. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, so that that's happened, but like now everything is very tightly coordinated. Everything has to cross over to each other. So you really do have to read the books and you're creating needless tension. If, if I'm reading something like the main X book or, or, you know, maybe I like Marauders. Why, why would I want to like, am I going to like X-Force? Yeah. You know, there it's. The art styles tend to be different in, in these books. Uh, the and that's another thing. I mean, the artists are uh, constantly uh, changing. Yeah, constantly changing. There, I, we have not had, unless I miss my guess, I don't think we've had a four issue consistent run on much of anything. Now, I, maybe X Factor has pulled that off. Uh, Rod Race on New Mutants, I think, is about to pull it off. But I mean, you're you're not. There is no long term run on any of these books. Yeah. I, I again, I, it's it's all very. I I want to be happy because having I really desperately do. I think um, I, I know that there's a subsection of fans who again, long term X Men fans loved every all the subplots and the 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 feeling of care for those characters. Yeah, and uh, Hawksbox comes along and it really feels like they're doing it. They're actually gonna gonna make this work. Um, only to have it kind of slide back into the same kind of 
all over the place. And, and again, I, I'll, I'll say it. I think you feel the same. Mm-hmm. A lot of the creators who are doing these books are really nice people. They yeah. have good books. Uh, I've had very good conversations with several of the writers in different mm-hmm. times and artists. I think they're wonderful people. Not saying anything. Yeah. But the end product here, it's, uh, it, it seems to really be appealing to a subsection of loud people. But, I, you know, I, I just struggle with it. I, I wish I didn't. But Yeah. I, I mean, I, I also love Jonathan Hickman. I, I, I've always liked um, his independent work a little more, which I know sounds very pretentious. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I always have. But it, him not being out there much is weird. Definitely. You, you, with everything going on with this being so high profile, it's like you kind of want Hickman every once in a while to come out and maybe do a quick video or do interviews like a little more often uh, to talk about some of this stuff to kind of, you know, be that like hype man, be that Stan Lee of, for sure, you know, the X books and. I think it would help a lot of people too. If you had, if he's out there kind of being like, you know, like I, I hope you all liked uh, how uh, we tackled some of that, you know, children of the vault stuff uh-huh. in, in X-Men 19. If you like that, you're, you're going to lose it when you see what we do um, in this issue and actually tell us what's going to happen instead of all these cute little, like we put a little thing over a title of a book and you're not going to believe what blah, blah. it's like, Enough yeah. with the teasing. Tell us, tell us what's gonna happen. I think that's just it. I think the teasing works when it's uh, you know for a while, but when you're 150 going on 200 issues into this this run, the, the there, there's a certain put up or shut up kind of moment that we get to. <laughs> and yeah, I I I liked I I, I agree with you. I, I like Hickman's independent work. I really liked East of West. That was one of my my definitely my favorite runs over the last twenty years of you know, anyone. So I, I sure. definitely am fond of a, that stuff. But it, we we need something. Um, we we definitely need something. It's it's a weird time. So it, it's been an interesting trip down memory lane with you around kind yeah. of the X Men and and the fan base and all the rest. I, uh, I it is striking that the piracy numbers that you decided there. There that's a that's a daunting number and i think uh that's definitely something that they're going to have to wrestle with of you got a very large group of people who are loving this but maybe the when when your biggest audience by a factor of almost 20 to 1 are by those numbers are are stealing it that's uh that's tough for the sustainability. Yeah, I, I mean, you're having people um, looking at these these books that are, um, you know, instead of hate buying, I think you're getting more hate piracy. Yeah, yeah, and, that's yeah. You know, so so I think the the people who are still passionate about the books are picking it up, but I, I think we've heard uh, across the board from from multiple retailers, from just other people that like they'll be sitting on stacks of books. Yeah. That uh, it's and, and that's again. This is not just an X Men problem. This is no, a, no, not at all. This is uh, uh, something that happens with, with a lot of titles, but it it's frustrating to see something that used to be a marquee title, like it went from being a a blockbuster book to being a very niche thing 
Yeah. And it's weird to, to see that happen. And it makes you scratch your head and wonder how did we get here? Yeah. Um, it's, it's one thing when you look at stuff like Superman and, and seeing how Superman obviously used to sell hundreds of thousands of copies a month. And now you're, you're lucky if you move 30, 40, yeah, 30, 40. Yeah. But like that, that seemed like a decline that was kind of a natural progression for, for things you, you just, you had more competition, you mm-hmm. know, there you know, it was selling hundreds of thousands or so. And then Marvel comics happened, you, you know, there, there were, yeah. there were th- reasons for that. Uh, and seeing that steady decline for, for X-Men, I think part of it, uh, that makes it frustrating is it was a bomb. It was not a good book, right? It was the least interested book that like, as far as like, you know, um, Stanley and, and Jack Kirby were just kind of like, yeah, whatever, and we'll walk away from it. And then people tried to do so. Neil Adams couldn't raise the the uh, right sales on that book. He he challenged them, like, give me a low selling book, and he couldn't do it at the time. And this was a time where he, you know, was a, an up and comer, was really making a name for himself, and that would have been the the way to go. But yeah, but yeah, it's uh, you, you had this book, and then you see this sort of journey. You, you see all of these uh, rich characters and histories, and then through just a slew of, of retcons, uh, you know, Marvel prides itself in not having crisis events, but they constantly have crisis events that they just don't call crisis events like House of M. Sure. Um, they're constantly retconning things all the time. Uh, the Phoenix being Thor's mom, like, like all that kind of stuff. Yep. So the X-Men have had to deal with just a slew of that stuff over the retconning this, retconning that. And it wasn't Magneto, it was Zorn. Um, undercutting, uh, X-Men has undercut almost all of its most pivotal moments. Yes. You know, um, that wasn't Jean Grey. She was uh, in a cocoon under Jamaica Bay. Like all, all that kind of but just, which, in fairness, I mean, to the point, it, this isn't something that just started happening in the last ten years. This has been something they've done consistently, of yeah. undercutting those moments and undercutting the the big things that you bought. Um, I, 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 you know, I'll maintain that the highly divisive uh, Iceman coming out could have been handled, um, you know, certainly better. But there were sure. easy ways. I think you could have made that work with fans, but it seemed like uh, people just chose not to. Like, like, yeah, you could have just devoted some time to saying, uh, you know, hey, I know I had this relationship with Opal. I know that I uh, entered in a death match because I loved her so much. And we spent lots of issues talking about that. But uh, yeah, but I was living a lie. And this is you, you could have very easily acknowledged that past. And then one, I think some of those fans over, not everybody, but sure. But instead, they, there was this approach of just kind of, well, fuck you to the. To the yeah. And also, that doesn't that doesn't work for a meme. No, no. you have to do things very memeable. Yes, got to be a meme. No, no, it's uh, yeah, it it, it is frustrating, especially when uh, that run on X Factor is, is one of the high points in the whole series of of yeah. the X Men books. Yeah, you, you know, to to undercut something like that, but but yeah, I, I mean, 
Uh, of course, there there are plenty of things because because you'll always get uh, you know responses of like oh well Claremont did all these other things that were stupid and it's like yes the payoff to the twelve sucked yes for sure uh, yeah. there there are plenty of things where uh, the payoff wasn't uh, fantastic yeah I mean Claremont was not perfect I mean again in that run that I liked uh, part of where I, I I enjoyed it through the Australian arc. And when they all walked through the Siege Perilous there in Australia and they went off um, and we had, you know, Young Storm and Ninja Psylocke and some of that stuff. Love Jim Lee's art, but that was not yeah. the best writing during that period for me. I was I was I was fairly over Rogue hanging out in the Savage Land and just these other elements was was not what I enjoyed. Again, pretty art, but not the story I enjoyed because like, Claremont's far from perfect. Everyone's nobody's perfect, but yeah. it, it it is a I don't know. It's been a strange journey. I Joe, I th- do you feel any better? We've talked through this for an hour. Do you feel better about any of this? It's nice not to feel alone. <laughs> you know, it's um, it, it's it, it, it's frustrating because because the other thing too, I think that adds to this is when this is all over because it'll eventually end. Yeah, uh, I know that you know nothing ever ends, but th- this will end. Yeah. I feel like we're just going to get a very similar group, if not the same people going, Oh, you know what? I actually thought that there were some problems in Hickman's run. And this is actually the best run. That's this new run that's ever existed. And, and and it's not even just X-Men fans. This is very much, um, it's a comic fan thing. It's, it's comic fans. It's star Wars fans. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who are like the force awakens is the best. Oh, now the, the last Jedi is the, the best. Oh, now the, the rise of Skywalker, you know, like there, there are certain factions that, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, keep going. And it's, it's a weird, uh, mindset, uh, for me to wrap my head around, but, but yeah, it, it's going to keep going that this, so the next incarnation of the X-Men is going to be the, the greatest it's ever been. Well, it will uh, be because Joe Corral will be writing it. <laughs> yeah, not after this video but <laughs> no but uh but no i i mean it would be you know obviously there's there are plenty of people who who are interested in in something like that uh, plenty of the writers now i, I mean I, I think they could do a great job if they weren't um you know i mean and, and some of them are, are doing fine right now with with what they've got that there, there are plenty of things coming out from that office that I'm enjoying. It's mm-hmm. the over. It's this is one of those. Yeah, it's the, there are. This is one of those things. Yeah, where the uh, the some ind- the- yeah, it's like it's it's yeah, it's the the sum of its parts. Blah blah blah. But but yeah, it's like the individual pieces. There are there are great pieces in this thing. But then when you put them all together, it. it turns into some horrifying anti-Voltron. That... <laughs> the anti-Voltron. <laughs> that's, that's the image I want to see. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I do hope, when all is said and done, um, I, my, my hope in all this is that there's some data in the Marvel office that somebody's looking at, and they're going, this is, we're doing the right thing. We've got, we know that the audience is here. We know that we're teeing up some IP for a movie there, and and like, we have a plan and, you know, old Perch and Joe, they don't, they don't like it, but that's okay because we, we've got this great plan and we know it's going somewhere that I, I, I want to believe that that's, yeah. It. So, you know, I'm, I'm just like Mulder. I want to believe. 
Yes, exactly. You know, but um, but yeah, and I, uh, I, I don't know. It's I, I've been saying it since like halfway through Ten of Swords. It's like, come on, I wanna, I, I want to believe this is going somewhere. But I think this is the aspect of of maybe the customer base and the fandom that the publishers have the hardest time understanding is that. I, I know I, I you know you and I have known each other for a little while now. And yeah, yeah. I I think we're the same in this regard. I desperately want to be wrong. Yes. <laughs> I desperately want to just love that. There's no joy in sitting here going, oh my God, what Eminem? You're doing Eminem. Uh, there's no joy in that. I, I'm ready to love it. I'm every minute. Every week, I actually still read many of the X titles first. Yes, and I'm read. I go there because I'm just wait. I'm just ready to be excited. And that's no, I'm I, I I'm with you. Uh, these are, you know, I I, I love X Men, and uh, <laughs> I I want I want to actively love it as it's coming out now. Yes, and and yeah, it's. It is hard to have to work, you know, just just working through all this and being like, of course you can't satisfy everybody. Sure. But you want them to satisfy as many people as possible in the main book. Like the, the problem is when you interconnect all of them, you're you're trying to appeal to one audience for a dozen books. Yeah. Instead of it's it's a it's impossible as we're actively seeing yeah what it you know it's like you need to have your marquee title and then you you can have these smaller titles you can have your offshoot titles you can you can have your x factor but you have your blockbuster uncanny or or you know just Mm x-men and you know you can have your ecstatics and do fun things like that ecstatics is still one of my favorite things they've ever done as an offshoot of this franchise for sure. And you can do that, but, but then you don't tie, you don't make it. So people who are reading like uncanny X-Men have to read ecstatics. That's insane. But that's like kind of the setup we have now. I, I know. I agree. It's uh, it makes you, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Another cliche, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, this has been therapy a little bit. This has been. Uh, we're we're just, um, you know, we're we're just inundating uh, viewers and listeners with uh, our ramblings as uh, free therapy. No, you don't get to bill us, and I don't want to see jokes about it either. Yeah, mumbles. Yeah, yeah. We know you're out there. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joe. No problem. <laughs>